Well, welcome today again uh, to everyone out there, however it is you got to be here today, getting out of bed or driving here or walking downstairs or driving right now. Um, thanks for being on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus together, all being together into one. And today we're going to begin a message uh, series, a four-part episode series called Come to Worship. And as we approach this Christmas season, I really want to take some time to focus on who Jesus is and what he did for us, the power of the virgin birth, the, the, the significance of Christmas. And as we do so, I believe that God is going to expand our hearts to know him more intimately because we have come to worship him. And the title is taken directly from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the, the wise men or the magi or the magi um, they come before King Herod. In verse 2 it says, they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have what? Let, let, let's say it all together. From wherever you are tuning in from, we have come to worship him. Why are we here? Let's say it again. We have come to worship him. Did you, did you notice that there's a, a small Christmas theme built right in there? The wise men didn't come to get something from God, but they came to give something to God. They came prepared to offer worship to Him. And tragically, in, in the part of the world that most of us live, Christianity has really become reduced down now to kind of a formula. So often where people actually believe that God exists for us. That, that if we just do the right thing, if we pray the right prayer, if we act the right way, if, then, then God's got to do whatever we want him to do. It's kind of like he's a genie, and if we rub his lamp just right, poof, he appears. He's going to pop out, and he's going to say, thanks for calling me. You've got three wishes, and I'm here to serve you. What is your wish? Your wish is my command. And quite literally, we reduce God to some sort of a cosmic Coke machine. Just put your coin in, push the button, say your prayer, do your devotions, make sure that you post on Instagram a picture of your Bible with the journal right beside your coffee so that everyone will know just how spiritual you are. Make sure you do something nice for someone. God's going to like you then. Or don't give anybody the bird while you're driving. Then God's going to have to like you because also on the back of your car, you took the time to put a Jesus fish bumper sticker there. And now, because you've done these things, he exists to make your life better. That is not why God exists at all. He does not exist for us. We exist for him. We are created to glorify him, to worship him, to make him known, to bring him honor, to make him famous. And I'm going to be real honest, as a church, I believe that God wants more of us from our hearts towards him in worship. And as your pastor, you know, I might be a little bit biased, okay? But I would say that there are a lot of things that, that we have done really well as the body of Christ in pursuit of Jesus. But I believe that there are 
that one of our greatest areas of improvement to improve our learning is that it's not just weekends, but seven days a week that we are worshipers. Worship is not a song that you sing. It's something we do. Worship is who we are all the time. We are created to worship God from the depths of our heart, from from the inside of us, from all that we are. And so for the next few weeks, what I want to do is to uh, ask that God would build within us a desire to know him intimately. As you know him intimately, we can worship him passionately. That Christmas this year might be properly focused on Jesus. It's, It's eyes up, right? It's all about Jesus. Jesus first, everything else after. To do that, we're going to look at uh, four different postures of worship. Episode two, we're going to talk about bringing our gifts. And the greatest gift that we'll ever bring is the gift of our own life. Episode three, we're going to talk about pouring out our hearts. Episode four, we're going to talk about bowing our knees as we kneel before him. And today we're going to start with lifting our hands before a holy God from a heart of worship. Now, some of you didn't grow up in church, I understand that, and so you didn't get uh, indoctrinated right from the very beginning, and you, you walked in one day, and you kind of saw people, you know, doing this in church, right? And honestly, I know it looks a little bit different, okay? If you've never seen it before, it just does. Uh, it, maybe even if you were in church, going to a church that does that, it feels kind of awkward, because it feels like you're watching, maybe, maybe it's like you're watching somebody make out. Right? You figure it's real for them and it's important, but I really shouldn't be watching this. And I can tell that you're enjoying it and it's real for you and you're connecting, but awkward for me to be watching. And so I want to explain why it is that throughout Scripture, the different authors that wrote um, explained in different ways and at different times how significant it is for us to lift our hands up to God. And what does it actually accomplish? And is it really weird and, or not? So Comedian Tim Hawkins, maybe some of you have heard him. He does this great little bit on this, and it's good to laugh at ourselves a little bit, I think. And so he says there's different kinds of churches, and in different kinds of churches, you'll find different kinds of people and different forms of worship. And if you have more of a church background, maybe you've been to some different churches and you've seen some of these things. This is the way he describes it for us. It's how to use your hands in church. So I'm just going to tell you a couple of them that I can remember. So you start off kind of slow um, with, uh, with your hands. It's carrying the television kind of worship, just carrying the TV, carrying the TV for Jesus. And then, well, then maybe it's big screen, big screen TV. I'm carrying the big screen TV for Jesus. Then we move to, that's how big the fish was that I caught worship with Jesus. I got my hands out with my big fish. And then it's just Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one kind of worship. Then it's high five, Jesus, high five, Jesus. And some, some of you have seen this, right? You know what it is. And then we, we moved more to the, the beauty queen Beauty queen, Jesus worship, right? Uh, Pageant girl worship, wash the windows, wash the windows for Jesus, right? Then there's single girl, single girl worship, single girl, single, ready to mingle, single. Look at, I love Jesus and I'm available. That classic block the shot, block the shot worship. Some of you, I feel like I'm very alone here. Uh, (laughs) All different types of worship with your hands. I've seen all of these, right? I've tried some of them. Serious? No? Okay, we're going to transition really awkwardly to uh, Scripture. Uh, to let it come to life for you, okay? Understand why it is that we, we, we might do something with our hands involved in our worship with God. 
and, and how that can be a reflection of what actually is coming from our heart. So we're going to start in Psalm 68. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, and we're going to join David. He's in the wilderness, and he's at a very low point in his life. Uh, David cries out to God, and as a, a reflection of what, well, what many of you might even be feeling right now. He says, verse 1, you are God. You, God, are my God, and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. And, and I, I wonder, all joking aside right now, how many of you are in a spot where this kind of reflects your current situation? This year has not gone the way that you planned. And it feels dry right now. It feels like you're in a desolate, lonely place where you feel maybe rejected. Oftentimes you might feel afraid. Discouragement comes to visit every day. I didn't think life was going to be like this. I didn't think I'd be at this place in my life right now. And in going to the holidays, it's supposed to be a really happy time. And it is for so many people. But it's not that happy for me right now. Restrictions on Christmas? Like, How can government even think of doing that? It's interesting to me that um, year after year I notice that Christmas seems like a giant magnifier. It makes the good seem really good and rosy and great pictures. But it makes the hard times kind of cold and dark and lonely really hard. And David's crying out, I need you, God. From the depths of my soul, I sense that this, there's a thirst that only you can fill. I long for you. I crave for you. I sense a clear and distinct lack of your presence. And it's not just your presence. It's, it's everything that your presence brings all around me. There's nothing on this earth that's satisfying me right now. I desperately need you. Verse 2, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Verse 3, because your love is better than life. You think about that. The, the love of God is better than life. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It never fails. This life, this life is going to fade away. But the love of God never, ever goes away. Your love is better than living. And therefore, because of that, verse 3, my, my lips will glorify you. I can't stop it. Because your love is that good. It has changed me. I've got to declare it. I've got, I've got to tell people. I've got to make you famous. I've got to share what happened in me. What changed me, I've got to tell somebody else about that. I've got to tell you that I long for you because without you, I am in trouble. Because you're so powerful. Because your love is something that I could never, ever earn. And I certainly don't deserve. I have to. I have to praise you. And one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, he said it kind of like this. I think that we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. And then David says, verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. Now remember, he's in a bad place, right? He's not, he's not thinking... I'm going to praise you, God, because everything is so great. Thanks for all these great things. He's saying simply, I'm thanking you because you are still good, even though my circumstances are not. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. And then watch this. Still in verse 4, he says, in your name, and, and here it comes, you know, drum roll, please, let it go. In your name, I will lift my hands. I will 
In your name, I will lift up my hands. In your name, because of who you are, because of what you've done, because of your reputation, I will lift my hands to praise and glorify you. This is an act of worship. This is an act of thanksgiving. I recognize that you're worth it. And that can be a recognition of good news. Good news that breaks down barriers and opens doors, right? Good news like what the Apostle Paul wrote to his friends in the city of Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not by works so that no one can boast. Grace. Unmerited favor. And hopefully when you hear that, it is like water in the desert or you have a memory of at least when it was like that because for most of us, we continue to struggle and maybe you're in the same place. We struggle with that pervasive notion that we have to be good enough for God. We've got to perform. We have to be religious. We've got to do what God wants and I, and I hope you pick the, way, the right way to be religious. I hope that you get the right hand positions, right? So you're washing the windows, uh, carry the TV, and you know that somehow inside enough, you're still struggling that I'm not good enough, I'm not religious enough, I'm not getting it. WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? What, would you, what, what style of hair would Jesus have? What, what, what kind of shirt would Jesus wear? How am I going to be like Jesus if I don't know these basic things? And then, like there's a dividing wall that was just removed, like a barrier in front was just torn down, like a door opened where there was no door. Oh my gosh, I can be forgiven. And it's not something that I have to earn. When that sinks in, beyond the words, you move way past the mental acknowledgement and into a sincere gratitude mode, my life is different. As best as I know how, I give to you my life. I can't, I can't explain what can happen, but, but for me, it was just the weight of all the sinful stuff that I'd done wrong. It just, it just was lifted off of me, and I felt free. And after experiencing this kind of spiritual encounter, I, I got on my knees. I didn't, I didn't know why, but I just sort of did in this kneeling posture. And this was not my thing ever, okay? I, I'm not like this. And then there was just, in the midst of this sense of love that surrounded me, this awareness that the presence of God himself, and I'm kneeling there, it just sort of happens that I start lifting my hands up, and I just cried out, and I thank God for who he is, who he has been, and who he will be. It was natural that, maybe it was even a supernatural kind of moment, that response to the grace of God. And my hands just kind of went up like this. And it came out of my soul, not because someone told me to. Listen to me. I don't think that you can experience the grace of God without showing some gratitude in some form or some fashion. And when you truly understand who he is and what he's done for you, and you want to express your heart, you want to release, you want to find somebody else's words, you want to find an action to let him know, and that comes out as worship. And that's what happened to me in that special moment. I want to share with you a verse um, that, that Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy. Timothy was an up-and-coming pastor. Um, Paul's giving Timothy instructions on how to, to run his church or to, to, to be with the people there and how to guide Christians in worship. So 1 Timothy 2, 8. Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Doing what? I want the men to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I want the men 
to lift up holy hands. Now, sometimes in the Bible, especially in older translations, it'll say men or mankind, but what it really means is everybody, all people, humanity. But this, but this right here, this actually means men. It doesn't say mankind. It doesn't say I want people to. It actually says men. And that's interesting to me that Paul says I want the men to do this. And I don't know why for sure. You know, honestly, I, I can't prove it to you, but I would say based on my experience and the reading of the stuff, that men are often convicting to myself as well. Men are often the last people to do this. And maybe it's because of pride and maybe it just feels awkward and maybe it just feels like that's not a man thing to do. And, but for whatever reason, Paul says, I want the men to lift up holy hands to God. And if I'm guessing, and, and I am guessing, it's because Paul wants men to lead in worship, to, to publicly display humility. As men lead in their families, maybe Paul wants the children to see the, the fathers seeking the heart of God openly. And if you want your children to seek after God, you need to be seeking after God yourself. And to the men of into one, those who are here and those who are online, don't let somebody out-worship you. You set the tone. You seek God. You be a man after God's own heart. Now, why would God ask us to do this? Is it that important? Why is it that God wants us to lift our hands to him? Again, I can't prove this part to you, but I believe that our God, our heavenly father, absolutely loves when his children lift hands to worship him. And I remember the first time Finley, my middlest son, did the Frankenstein walk. You know what that is? You know, they're kind of learning to walk and their uh, hands on the coffee table kind of balancing and they're shuffling around and then he kind of pulls away, right, like this and he, he does one of these, right, the Frankenstein walk and he gets it up and, and, and then he did this, he came towards me because I was right there and, and his hands kind of go, Dada! <laughs> that moment, he's just coming towards me and that, that image, I just can't imagine the love of our Heavenly Father not responding like mine was like the, the, the jello that I became when he did that. There is no loving father on earth who would reject the outstretched arms of his child. And our heavenly father loves when we lift our hands toward him. When our hands move towards God, I believe that his heart moves towards us. He loves when we lift up our hands and worship him. And James tells us, the James, James 4, 8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. As we draw near to our heavenly Father, as we lift our hands saying, God, I can't reach you, but this, this is the best I can do. In, in, in lifting up my hands, this is an act of worship. And as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Why do we do this? I believe God loves it. It also can be an offering of praise. Like you might give money in an offering, and that's a way, this is a way to give an offering. Lifting up your hands can be an offering to God. David in Psalm 141, verse 1, at a very low point again in his life, David says, oh Lord, I'm calling to you. Please hurry. Listen, listen when I cry for help. Verse 2, accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. I'm praying. 
And please accept that as an offering. I need you. I accept my upraised hands as an evening offering to you. Some of you today, you've never before given an offering of lifted hands to God. Might feel a bit awkward. Never done it before. Might kind of feel like you're pushing yourself out of your spiritual comfort zone. That can be good. But you just lift them up. And you say, God, I'm offering my heart to you. I'm offering my praise to you. You, you. you might not even feel like praising right now. I'm going to offer praise to you anyway. Not because of what I see, but because of who you are. And God will be pleased. Another reason we may lift our hands to God is because we're declaring battle. And we need God's help. Some of you, that might be your story right now, right? You're in a battle. This is a dark place. It is a dark time for you. And if things don't change, you don't know what you're going to do. You're going to lift up holy hands today and say, I'm declaring battle. And I need the help of an all-powerful God to battle with me and to battle for me. I am declaring battle with uplifted hands. Now, this is a familiar story. We, we just looked at it a couple of uh, weeks ago from a different lens, just in our last series, Swipe Right. It's Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites were attacking the Israelites, and so Moses says to Joshua, hey, Joshua, get a bunch of guys. We're going to war. We got to go to battle. They've declared war on us. They've started attacking us, and now it's time for us to start pushing back. And Moses says, tomorrow... I'm going to go stand at the top of the mountain and I'm going to lift my hands to God and I will pray to him. Exodus 17, 10. Uh, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. In verse 11, as long as Moses, as long as Moses did what? Everybody say it. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. What do we have? We got winning, losing. Winning, losing. Tying, losing. When the, when the arms were lifted up, acknowledging the sovereign power of God, this is how the battle is being won because God is the one who's powering it. God's people are winning. But when the arms were no longer up, no longer acknowledging the power of God, God's people started losing. And here's the reality here. Some of you, there is the battle that you're in right now. And it kind of feels like you might be losing, like you're being overwhelmed. It might be time for you to lift up your hands and say, God, I trust you. No matter what. On my own, I don't have the ability to get this done. But I'm seeking you. I lift my hands up and I praise you in the middle of what I am. In spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what's going on, I continue to praise you. And I lift my hands up to you, declaring this battle is yours. God, and I trust in you. I lift my hands, God, and I declare that by faith, I believe you are fighting for me and you are with me. And greater is the one who is in me than the one who is in the world. And no weapon formed 
against me shall prosper. But my God is for me, and my God has plans to bless me, and I'm following you, Jesus. I lift up my hands. Then verse 12, when, whenever Moses' hands grew tired, because guess what? You, you, can't, you can't keep your hands up like this for hours. They get tired. You get tired. You wear down. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and, and he sat upon it. And Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Verse 13, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword by the power of God. So who, who holds your hands up? When you get tired, who prays for you? And if you're at church online right now, you can select live prayer right now and you will be connected with one of our hosts, one of our fabulous hosts who can open up a private chat window for you and they can pray with you and pray for you right now. You don't need to try and stand alone because at Into One, we're all about going on this road trip together. When you're discouraged, who prays for you? Who stands with you? Do you have men of God or women of God who will stand with you, who will stand with you and go to battle with you? Not only just to hold up your hands, but that's why we worship together. That's why gathering and engaging and connecting at church, whether it's church on Main Street or church online, it matters so much that you choose to engage together. Because we don't just worship God with ourselves. That's not the way He ever has acted. We worship, we, we gather together as the body of Christ. We corporately stand together, leaning on one another, lifting each other's arms and saying, together, we're going to seek you, God. Together, we're going to press into Him because we are on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ and we are being brought together into one. We find hope and we find freedom and the love of Jesus. And when you can't hold up your hands, I want to be someone who's there to help you hold them up. I want to be an Aaron. I want to be a her. And I need you to be that for me as well. To hold me up. For those of you who are in that battle right now, it's time to declare, God, I need you. Think about this. Throughout history, what, what have uplifted hands meant? Two things, I think, primarily. Number one, victory. Woo, we win. You're at a sporting event, and listen to me, you might not be religious, right? But when, you, when you, you get religion at a sporting event, when your team starts winning, when they score, it's like, ah, we score! The arms go up. There is no thought, right? Second, not so good. When the, when the guy pulls that gun on you, what do you do? You go, ah, surrender. It means victory. It means surrender. And guess what? In the presence of God, it means both simultaneously. At that moment that you surrender to Him, you find victory in Him. And I, I could preach that. I could talk about that all day. In the moment that you surrender to Him, you find victory in him. And I'll tell you, our music team has gone above and beyond before that whole COVID thing and during as well. And I appreciate so much the deep, deep talent pool that we have, but the servant nature of these people as well. Week after week after week, we have benefited from their efforts and their gifts. And not just us either. 
There are two other churches that who have requested to use some of our recordings and in our into one spirit of working together so that the world may know that God loves them and Jesus died for them. We have made these songs available to them. And we're also publishing our recordings on our YouTube channel so that you can listen, so that you can be encouraged whenever and wherever you are. And today, I, I want to ask all of you, when I'm done, to sing. If, if you're at home, or even if you're at church on Main Street, you're masked up, okay? You just don't have to shout it out. Let the words flow out of you as they express our reality. As you sing today, I want you to take a next step, a little risk. Lift up your hands to try and express your heart. Try it. I just want you to do an experiment with me. Just, just sing. Just, just let your voice say it. Let your heart experience it. Lift your hands in surrender and victory at the same time. May this be a declaration of praise. As you reach out to God and you watch him reach out to you as an offering, as a battle cry, would you join with me as we worship our God? And at your right time, when it, when it connects for you, maybe for the first time ever in your life, would you lift up holy hands in an act of worship of our good God today?